Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. This podcast is sponsored and hosted by Zenium HR. Zenium HR is transforming workplaces for small and medium-sized organizations all across the Pacific Northwest and beyond. They do this by providing world-class HR consulting, manager training, and payroll processing to organizations so that they can focus on growing their business. For more about Zenium, visit zeniumhr.com or click the link in the show notes for more. Okay, on to today's episode. I had a conversation with Dr. John Johnson. He is a co-founder of Edgeworth Analytics and is recognized as one of the most leading econometricians practicing today. He received his PhD in economics from MIT and his BA in economics with highest distinction from the University of Rochester. You know, in talking with John, it was very clear to me that as smart as he is, he has the ability, unlike many people out there who can take these really, really complex ideas and simplify them for people like you and me. So I think you're really going to love this episode. In this conversation, we talk about what areas of data should HR professionals be paying attention to in the business, how to collect and utilize this data to challenge our beliefs and our gut feeling and so much more. So you're going to love this episode. I totally geeked out on it. John was a great guest and I really enjoyed it. So hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do. If you loved it, go to Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen and click that little five-star rating. All you have to do is click that button. It helps us grow the show and help more people transform the workplace. Talk to you next week. Enjoy. Hey, John, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brandon. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know if I've ever had somebody of your caliber. You have a PhD in economics and you do a lot of data analysis. I don't think I've ever had anybody on the podcast at your level. So (laughs) I'm excited for this conversation. This will be fun. Well, thank you. That's very flattering. Hopefully I'll be pretty down to earth. I prefer that. (laughs) I've already had a brief conversation with you ahead of time. I think this will be perfect for the audience. So I wanted to start with this because I think we have a lot of listeners who maybe find data a little overwhelming. Let's start simply with what data within organizations should HR professionals be paying attention to right now? If you could think of maybe a couple, maybe three data points that they should be tracking, reporting on and reporting to maybe their senior leaders, what would those be? Well, first, I would say that it's important when you talk about data to have the right definition. People sometimes think the only thing data is, is hardcore numbers and statistics. But in fact, data is all sorts of information in your organization, including things people tell you and qualitative information and things you observe. So sort of starting point, I would say when I speak to HR professionals is you went into HR, usually most people, you know, because they're people, people, and there's a certain level of, you know, things that they've built up over time. And just because you're going to pay attention to data doesn't mean all of those instincts and everything you've learned goes out the window. In fact, it should be a good complement. So the first thing I would always say is what you bring to the data, first and foremost, is 
your own sort of sense of the business and sense of the people that work there. Now, that doesn't mean that I think you should bias all your data results by just relying on your intuition. But there's also, it's kind of a perfect data analysis is a marriage of what your people skills are telling you and what your data can confirm. So with that said, as a broader definition of data, I think, you know, personnel data sets are always sort of, they can be really disparate and all over an organization. So when I think about how do I approach data in a complex organization like HR, of course, your baseline payroll type compensation data is often very, very useful. Your employee databases themselves can be very, very useful and sort of a good starting point to baseline what you have, what your demographics look like and the like. And again, the way I try to think about it is you're trying to take a portrait, a snapshot of your workforce at any point in time. Fascinating. Yeah. And so if you're constantly taking a snapshot of what people are telling you, and then what also your systems are reporting on, who's like diving in and synthesizing this data in a meaningful way? I mean, you got to tell me, like, how do you analyze it in a way that could be meaningful and simple to understand? Well, it won't surprise you that the first key to good data analysis is asking the right questions. So it's not enough to, you know, I'm not a proponent of saying, well, you should just have like seven data sets that you just sort of have in the background and you're just sort of scouring the earth willy nilly trying to figure out what they say. I'm more of a fan of a disciplined approach to your data where you say, okay, what is the business question I am trying to deal with? Is it a retention issue? Is it a benefits issue? Is it a hiring issue? Really concretely define the question and then work with your HR team to identify, well, what data sets do we have at our disposal that could give us valuable information? And as I said, data sets don't come ready to use. So your observation that within an organization, who's going to do all this work? Well, you have to frame out first, well, what data do I have? Who has the data? And what am I trying to answer? And then you can sort of begin to approach the harder question of, all right, well, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do with it? I feel like I'm getting a lesson in science because it sounds like you take the scientific approach to this where it's like you got this hypothesis and then you test the hypothesis and then you kind of work your way backwards, right? That's exactly right. Good data analytics is a tool that will allow you to help do more rigorous decision making and address problems in a more rigorous way. But like any good detective, you're trying to look at the totality of the evidence. So again, I keep pushing hard when I talk to people, especially in HR, this is about getting a total picture. The data may well teach you something you didn't ever expect to see, or the data may confirm what you already thought. But the key is if you have that data to back up the answers, then when you're speaking to management, when you're speaking to the interested parties in your firm, you've got a basis that you can allow to sort of go with and say, okay, here's why I think what I'm thinking, and here's my evidence. Do you ever have employers approach you with two questions, one of which would be possibly, here's what I think is happening in my business. Can you test this for me? Or do you often have people come to you and say, how do I track the retention of my people? Like, do you have elementary questions like that? Or do you usually have some people come to you with a problem? I have both. All right. So I have had situations where someone has come to me and said, you know, we have this situation, we think this is going on. And I've looked at the data and actually found that they had a different problem. And then a whole bunch of explanation as to why And that oftentimes cynicism at first, like, oh, this can't be right. This isn't our company. I'm like, well, no, it actually is right. And sort of having to bring them along on the journey to figure out what they're doing. But then there's other times where we have clients and, you know, we try to serve a pretty wide range of clients. So we have some really large giant companies we've worked with and we've done things for them where we've helped them with sort of setting up reporting on different metrics they needed. 
what types of reports could they run in-house from their existing databases with some work so that they would have information that management needed. And then we also have times where we just advise small businesses where they just have one-off questions. And we kind of try to have a program called our Blueprint Program where you know, you just want a trusted data advisor to just talk through an issue for an hour or two. And we just provide that kind of one-off consulting, kind of just view it as like you have a smart person who'll talk to you and just sort of help you think about an issue. One of the things that strikes me about data is that you could potentially ask the questions that would lead you to the answer you want. Meaning, you know, we like to confirm our own biases. And if we think that this is the answer, and then we ask the questions to our people, or we collect the data that's going to support that, that we, (laughs) you know what I mean? This probably happens all the time. Absolutely. Look, bias is a huge, huge issue with data analyses. And sometimes people mistake when I say, well, you know, you have to trust your intuition. And, you know, when I go into a new company that I'm working for, I'll say, you know, you're going to know your business better than I do. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to know your data ultimately better than you do (laughs) by the time we're done. The whole point of the rigor of the data analysis is to make sure you've kicked the tires on all of the different dimensions so that you don't have a biased analysis. There's obviously a lot of discussion about cherry picking data, people putting out statistics that aren't factually correct. There's times where I hear Mm -hmm. sort of jokes about, you know, the two handed economist, you know, on the one hand and the other hand. The way I try to approach all of this is sort of a little bit more holistically. And I think the point is that it is not the case that if I do a careful data analysis for you, for your company, that you necessarily get a single answer. What you're usually getting is more of a range of outcomes where there's some, you know, whether you call them probabilities, where there's some different insights to be gained. And it's not about, you know, the answer is three. (laughs) It's more about, well, the data is telling me these issues are sort of in order, seem to be the priority. What can we do with that to get to a more nuanced answer? And so I just think the whole approach to data analysis, you know, rigor does not mean certainty. And I think that's a pretty big issue. And so if you approach it more from that perspective, then you're less likely to hit into your biases because you're at least thinking about a range of outcomes. If an employer approached you and said, hey, look, I got people like dropping like flies from my organization. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's a culture problem, if we're not paying enough. How would you approach that? first inquiry into the problem, would you start like saying, let's look at your data, let's create a survey and and pull your people? Like, what would you look at first? Yeah, I mean, I would be most interested and again, it's going to depend on the circumstances, of course, but in sort of this general question, I would want to start with the data to just sort of see what do we think is going on? Who are the types of people that have left? How long were they in our organization? What are their backgrounds? Where are they in the organization? sort of a real diagnosis of, okay, descriptively, here's the characteristics of the people that are leaving. Here's when changes over time started to happen. You used to be keeping employees for three years, and now you're keeping them for three months. What changed? Did something change at that time? And so you sort of start with sort of the descriptive piece. Let's diagnose just what we can see in the data. Then you have to dig deeper and go, okay, well, what are the explanations? What is actually going on? Is there anything that you know from your HR experience, HR professionals in the organization? What types of things changed? Were there changes in benefits? Were there changes in pay? Were there changes in supervisors? And then you can sort of start to work on a competitive analysis to sort of build that out. But to me, the starting point is the data can be incredibly valuable for diagnosing the characteristics of the people that we're leaving. One thing that I've learned from, I used to study economics a little bit back in the day and I'd read a bunch of books and then I'd run across some that are just 
providing some poor advice and mainly on like the decision making around data. So what I mean by that is something in economics that I have learned is the correlation versus causation. Sure. And I remember reading a book, Freakonomics, back in the day, and they just basically show like two, how two things are correlating together. There's nothing related about them. They just happen to be going in the same direction. Whereas one thing might cause another thing. And I'd be more interested in that. It's like, we got a poor manager here who is driving people away and people are leaving as a result of that. That would be like a causal uh, relationship. So how do you tease that out of the data? And I know it's a big question, but what's your approach to figuring out correlation versus causation? So causation is probably what most serious economists and data analysts spend most of their time on because teasing out causal relationships are not easy to do. But first, sort of a little caveat, you know, there are times where a correlation is good enough. And what I mean by that is you may well have a situation in a company where you're looking just sort of to see whether two things are just simply related. And the fact that they're related at all is good enough to at least start to move forward. But usually causal questions are the things we care the most about in business and in life, right? As one cause the other. So one of my favorite techniques for these types of things is often what are called natural experiments. And these are circumstances where you can actually look at concrete changes in policies, in the workforce, in timing, in kind of the types of things that are being done and sort of look before and after and look over time and try to really isolate when did things change and why did they change and are they lined up the same way. There's a whole host of other techniques people try to bring to the table, but the causal question and how far you can get, maybe you can never get perfect causation in many circumstances, but you can control for other factors. You can do statistical analyses where at least you attempt to think about all the different things that matter. And then you have to sort of draw your line for, again, making a business decision, what is good enough for me to move forward with. But a more holistic approach, which definitely looks not just it's simple. The world is not just two by two relationships. The no, world it's is not. much more complicated than that. And so you have to find ways to isolate and to sort of try to really hone in on the relationship you care about and what that's going to tell you for the purposes of your ultimate decision making. I think it's the challenge with finding a perfectly causal relationship is like there's too many variables, right? <laughs> there are. Now, there are statistical techniques that let us kind of what is called control for other factors. So, you know, I can look at recruitment and I can look at the different factors in terms of what are the types of characteristics. And there are models like regression modeling, which is a form of statistical modeling that people use all the time. And that can get you part of the way there. And again, there is a little bit of what will serve the purpose for the question you're trying to answer. And I'm not saying that that means we should just do poor data work. But what I am saying is in the real world, we do have to also at times get to answers to questions. And so sometimes the perfect can be the enemy of good enough for this purpose. That's something you have to think really hard about as well. John, I led you down that, that path of, with that question because I'm curious your answer to the fact that your data might be saying one thing. And your people might be saying another, but who's right? The data might make your head spin, but do you trust your mm -hmm. people over your data? Is it a little bit of both or what do you do there? Look, <laughs> that's a tough one. I am generally more prone towards data if the data is actually been done properly. But if I've got people telling me something different, then I better make sure I'm listening to what they're saying and see if I can square those explanations, right? I'm really facing that kind of dichotomy where the people at the firm are seeing one thing and the data is saying something that's completely the opposite. Something's missing. There's a missing factor. That's it. You know, and so I want to work harder to sort of see if I can square those two things and figure out what the connection is. Now, it may be ultimately after sort of kicking the tires really hard on the data that you're just 
either that data is not representative of the same thing that the people are talking about. It could be that for some reason or in someone's limited experience, something is true, but in a broader aggregate sense, it's just not. It could be the data is not precise enough to detect the kinds of things the business people are talking about in that context. So it's not either or, but what it absolutely is, is it's the big red flag that says, okay, you're not done with your job. You keep pushing. Should organizations be using lagging data to inform business decisions? And maybe, you know, for listeners who don't really understand what lagging data would be, maybe an example would be helpful. All right. So, you know, the kind of famous phrase is past is prologue. <laughs> okay. And so what you're trying to do is say, is the experience of my firm in the past going to be able to meaningfully tell me something about the future? If it is, then you want to try to use your prior data to inform future decision making. That's another tool you have in your toolbox. Now, there are times in the world, though, where things change dramatically, maybe something like a pandemic that shuts down large swaths of the economy it might be a totally different world for us. And so there, if you might use last year's data from the summer to predict this year's data in your business, that could be a little bit of an issue because some very significant changes have occurred. So in general, you want to think hard about, do I think the economic conditions? Do I think the business conditions? Do I think the circumstances I'm looking to this prior data to? How much do they represent the world as it exists today? The more you think they're representative, the more you can rely on that lag data, the data from the past to predict the future. For those business leaders specifically who say, yeah, I just got a gut feeling about this and I'm going to make this decision. What's generally your response about gut? <laughs> well, I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but I want to hear it from your mouth. Well, let me start by saying, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I have my own business. And so I'm very sensitive to this gut phenomenon. Because there are times when you own a business, if you started a business from scratch, if you've been in a division or a part of a company for years, you just sort of feel like you know. And what I would say is, everybody gets to make their own decisions, I guess. But the data should give you confidence that if you look to it, and your gut is right, it should be supportive and it gives you more leeway to actually articulate your position clearly, to justify the decision you're making both to yourself and to your stakeholders, and to actually make the right decision in case your gut is wrong. So to me, I would call that more, well, maybe you trust your gut, but verify with data. I love that. That's really good advice. You mentioned, you know, we're going through a pandemic right now. I think you know, with the remote work, it brings a lot of challenges. I think people or experiencing mental health issues, things like that. Would you be capturing any data right now about that in a way that could be supportive long-term? Well, we have, you know, it's interesting. We had sort of started, my economics firm has existed for about 11 years. Our analytics firm, we started about a year and a half ago. And so the pandemic kind of hit us right in the middle of one of our gigantic marketing efforts on our HR analytics courses. We mm. had been scheduled to go talk at a number of conferences around the country talking about these courses that we offer. And that all just, we had a huge standstill, just put the brakes on because you just can't do it. So what we did, we pivoted like, you know, good business people should. And we actually said, well, we have all these data skills. Let's focus on this COVID pandemic and see what we can provide in terms of data on that. So we've actually been systematically collecting data on COVID cases, on different issues, what surveys are available, both on mental health, on sort of exposure that people have, and sort of have a lot of sort of thought leadership pieces out. But that's actually led us to do some work. We did a fairly big project for the NFL Players Association, where they approached really? us about building a dashboard for them. And we have a dashboard we built on their website with every city where there's an NFL franchise 
updating the case counts every week. So the players can go on and see for themselves what's it looking like in their local communities or where they're traveling, what they are relative to the national average versus the state average, things like that. So interestingly, there actually is a lot of interesting data right now. And we've been trying to make that more accessible to companies and businesses. I don't know if I would be, again, I think it sort of depends on the nature of your organization. I don't know if I'd be saying, well, go collect weekly surveys on what your employees are feeling. Depends on what the purpose is. But I do think there's a lot of really valuable information out there that can help business leaders in the HR function, particularly to just make some sense of this. Yeah. And on that note, there is a lot of data out there. There's actually a lot of everything out there. And I think people can get overwhelmed by it, especially in this world of like there's just social media where there's like people are looking at headlines only and drawing conclusions based on what they're seeing from you know, media or their friends or whatever. For people who are casual observers of data and you know want to make meaningful decisions around data, what advice would you give people who might be distracted by some of the misinformation out there about data? Well, there is. It's actually, it's almost like you set this up for me, but I actually wrote a book about three or four years oh, ago. I called Every Data, the Misinformation and the Little Data You Consume wow. Every Day. I did not know that. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> um, but The point of that book, though, was really an effort to take some of these skills and say, okay, if you are someone who just is bombarded with the amount of data we have, what are some basic skills you can employ to make sure that you are not being taken advantage of, that you can consume this data the right way? So some things as simple as thinking a little deeper about the headlines, right? I always give this example that I love about, there was a study, a news article that said, people who live close to a Starbucks have much higher house values. So immediately that might lead you to think, well, I should move close to a Starbucks. Now, of course, the problem with that, if you step back and think about it, is what if it's the case that Starbucks strategically places their stores in neighborhoods that are valuable because those are the people that might buy the $5 lattes more frequently? I don't know. The point is, first, even when you're confronted with headlines, you know, that is the worst place to look for information sometimes. So you've got to pause and think about it. So You may have no data knowledge at all, but just if you're just thinking about it, what does the data tell me? What do I know from my intuition? That's a good step. If you're really into the data, well, you also want to think about, well, who is advocating for this sort of story position? Do they have an ulterior motive? Are they trying to push a certain position? If they are, you want to look a little bit more carefully at what's the underlying data. How are they using it? You know, and the one benefit of all this information is you can usually with a little bit of work, and I'm not saying everybody wants to track down every data set, but if there's something, a story, an idea that you're really thinking about changing your behavior, making a decision based off of, you can dig into that data and you can usually find the source and whether it's reputable and what the limitations are. And that can be really helpful too. I love that. I'm putting you on the spot here. And if you don't have an answer for me, I I totally understand. But is there any like data right now about the workforce or any hiring or economic data about people working that you think the audience would find ultra fascinating? Maybe something that shocked you when you dug into the data? Well, you know, it has been a fascinating time. You know, in my hat as a labor economist who looks at data fairly regularly with my team, you know, some of the information that's even coming out of the government right now, the government data sets, which really are often sort of a, a pretty important source of information. You know, there's something called the Household Pulse Survey, which was started to be done just for the purposes of COVID to just sort of try to monitor what are workers doing in terms of jobs, in terms of layoffs, in terms of sort of attitudes, things like that. And that's a fairly new data set that's sort of trying to create data in real time. One of the things that's really been a problem with the COVID epidemic is 
these government data sets from the Bureau of Labor Statistics are not meant to be rushed out the door. So oftentimes we're talking about lags of, you know, a month at a time. Well, a month when you have unemployment that's going from 12% to 15% to 18%, you're not getting any valuable information. So the household pulse survey is one that I think has actually been pretty neat and interesting. And as they sort of put out press releases on that. So that would be one place I might advise your listeners to go take a peek at. Love that. I want to end with this because I think most of our listeners are HR folks. And I've always been a huge proponent of HR people having a lot of business acumen so they can have a seat at the table and make big business decisions. Since people are such an asset to an organization, you know, when they dive in to analytics, so they can have some business acumen and, and be more of an asset to the senior leaders, where do you recommend they start so they don't feel overwhelmed by all the analysis that could be done? I think we, if we go back to sort of the basics of the way I approach this again, if you have a serious set of questions that you care the most about, I think the two things is sort of framing that question appropriately up front is one piece. And the other is something I learned actually from some of these HR courses I did. And it's a really fascinating experience I had. You know, my colleague and I went to teach a, a course to an HR department on HR analytics. And, you know, it was an all day course. And it was really, we had a really good time with the group. And at the end, several people came up to me and said, you know, I thought you were going to teach me like how to do averages and means and statistical analysis. <laughs> yeah. Like what you really did is you taught me that my colleagues have other data sets I didn't know about and I've never talked right. to them about it. And it was almost like this role of like data facilitator. So the other thing I would just advise is talk to your colleagues about what data sets they have. Maybe they can help you answer the question. You can always find help. And again, a consultant like me can always help you with sort of how do you run the statistics. But the identifying what data you have in your organization and how to think about it, you know, that's sort of the hard first part you have to really do. So that would be my advice. John, this has been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Actually, I love data myself. I'm not nearly as smart as you when it comes to data. And honestly, I could probably talk to you for another hour or so, but I want to make sure that people reach out to you if they have data needs and seek your support. So where can people learn more about you and anything you're up to? Yeah. So if you go to our website, edgeworthanalytics.com, we have all of our blog posts, all our dashboards, information about our firm, our consulting services. That's the best place. My email and bio is there. So please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great talking to you, Brandon. 